broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Roughness. You got to score points to win. You can't win without scoring points. Touchdown Raiders! He went right through the line and gives Vegas a touchdown to extend the lead. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. Here we go, Raider Nation, back in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio after a day away, after a couple days away. As a matter of fact, on Monday, we kicked things off at the Oyo, the Underground Lounge, and uh, we do that for every Monday night football. Then yesterday afternoon was in Tucson, Arizona, was able to watch Little Q and the Western Oregon Wolves take on Arizona, the Wildcats. Uh, and that was uh, a game that got out of hand late in the game, but it was still a lot of fun to be able to check out Little Q and be there in Arizona. Now, here we are, man, back in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. On Friday, we'll be at Buffalo Wild Wings, so you want to talk about a week that's just moving, moving, and moving. That's exactly what's going on here on Raider Nation Radio 920 with Unnecessary Roughness. Of course, my man, Damon Cotton's been holding it down all week long here in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, and he is behind the wheels of steel right now, and we got a lot to get to on today's show. I mean, we're we're going to come out the gates swinging. As soon as we hit into the opening drive, Ari Mayrov from Pro Football Focus, he's going to join the show to talk all things NFL, talk all things uh, trade deadline, talk about the Washington football team. What they've got going on is Daniel Snyder, is he really going to sell the team? Cause is that a possibility? A lot to get to when it comes to Ari Mayrov and just what's going on across the league, including a couple players that did not get traded on Tuesday but could be potentially available out there on waivers. And one of them, actually it's funny, one of them was Tristan Hill that was waived by the Cowboys. He actually got picked up off waivers by the Arizona Cardinals, so he's no longer available. But I will ask Ari about Sidney Jones and what he thinks about him moving forward. Can he be a guy that, again, is not a star, is not a shutdown dude, is not a starter, but could provide some depth on the Raiders' defensive side of the ball, at least for the rest of the season, see what you know could shake out there. So a lot to get to with Ari Mayrov. He'll join us in a matter of minutes. Then we start to turn the page. We've talked about the Saints a lot. We talked about that game and the way it shook out and the way that the Raiders didn't show up. Clay Harbor, former NFL tight end, he's going to join us at 2.30 to talk about the upcoming game for the Silver and Black. That is going to be with the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's a former tight end in the league, uh, played with the Eagles, played with the Jags, and, and multiple other teams. So Clay Harbor will join us at 2.30. Vinny Bonsignor, who's been working every show all day long, is going to join us at 3 o'clock to talk about everything going on in Sarasota, Florida with the Raiders, including GM Dave Ziegler. He met with the media earlier today. Head coach Josh McDaniels, Derek Carr, Devontae Adams, they all met with the media. So... Uh, Vinny Bonsignor will join us at 3 o'clock. Then Paloma Villacana, Fox 5 Sports, will talk all things UNLV at 3.30. Plus, a lot more to get to where that came from. But let's go ahead and get started right away. Let's jump right into the opening drive. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 is brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. And to help us kick off the opening drive, we have our good friend Ari Mayrov from Pro Football Focus. You can find him on Twitter at MySportsUpdate. And Ari, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. Wanted to start off talking about the trade deadline and what you saw and, you know, who won, who lost, you know, what you thought about all the movement and shaking that was going on. But before I get to any of that, I got to start with the Washington football team and what's going on in D.C. All of a sudden, Daniel Snyder, he said that he would never sell the team. He said he would also never change the name of the team. We saw that he did do that. What's going on now that he's hired B of A to kind of sell something? We don't know what what uh, amount of the team it is, if it's the whole thing or just a portion. But what's going on? What's the latest and the greatest in Washington? Well, Q, it's a major, major shift in tone from Snyder, who has been 
like you said, consistent for years, that he would never sell the team. 15 days ago, a little bit over two weeks ago, Jim Mercy came out and said he believes there's merit to removing Snyder as owner. And maybe an hour later, Snyder put out a statement that he will never, ever sell the team. And here we are, as I said, 15 days later, and now he has Bank of America Securities basically exploring the possibility. And in my mind, this is just my opinion, but for this to happen, for the news to come out, for them to confirm it and not deny it, I have a hard time believing it would be for a minority stake. I feel like this is for the whole thing. I think he's gotten to the point where, you know what, enough is enough, and it's time to move on. Everybody's against Dan Snyder. Honestly, who would even want to work with him in a minority stake when the reality is that franchise needs a new stadium, and there is nowhere in Washington, in any of the areas, any of the governors who want to give public funding money to Dan Snyder and to the Snyder family to build a new stadium. So they need a new majority owner. I think he's realized that the time might be coming and Washington Commanders fans might hear the magic words they've been waiting for a long time, that Dan Snyder is finally selling the franchise. Ari, that makes all the sense of the world, but it just seems like it, it happened so quickly, right? I mean, it just seems like, like you mentioned, 15 days ago, it was a whole nother conversation. I know there's been reports about Tanya Snyder, his wife, standing up during the, the breast cancer, uh, you know, the, the tribute, and people booing her and saying, sell the team, and that could be the tipping point. But that, that doesn't seem like that could be the tipping point to me. Does that seem like that that could have played a role? No, I think... Listen, there was obviously the Beth Wilkinson investigation, which was not made public. There's the Mary Jo White investigation, which the NFL has said number, a number of times will be made public. And again, this is just my opinion, but I believe he's caught wind that that report will eventually come out. Mm. And it might be better for him to just sell it now and the report doesn't come out. Which, if you recall, the same thing happened with Jerry Richardson in Carolina when there was an investigation going on. He eventually decided to just sell the team, and the report never came out. So I think that could be a possible scenario here where it sounds like some potentially damning news might be coming out, and he's just going to decide to move on and um, collect a, a rather big paycheck eventually. That makes a lot of sense right there. Again, Ari Mayrov is our guest from Pro Football Focus here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. Demond's got one for you. Yeah, I know that you don't know all of the exact numbers, but the Broncos sold for about $4.5 billion. How much do you think that the commanders could sell for? So the report for Denver was it got to 4 and a half with the Walton, but there was another group willing to go to 5, mm. but they understood that the Waltons would, not, would, would go even higher. And the way the NFL works when it comes to this stuff, the next team that sells will just go for higher. So if they went for 5, the Waltons went to 5.2, that means the commanders will for sure go for more than 5.2. So it's going to start anywhere from 4.6, which is what Denver went for. But I think this has the potential to reach 5 or potentially more. Forbes came out with the valuation for the team, I believe, was $5.6 billion in August. Washington has consistently been a top five value team on the Forbes list for years now. So... You, you get the franchise and eventually you'll also be building a new state-of-the-art stadium, which if there is new ownership, I'm sure there will be multiple locations in that area that will be willing to go ahead and do that and build a new stadium for that franchise, which, again, really desperately needs one. Of course, you guys all saw how the railings fell out of Jalen Hurts last year. Mm-hmm. We've seen a bunch of other videos as well. 
So if there is new ownership, I think a lot of new things will be coming to Washington. And Ari, final question on what's going on in Washington with the commanders, and then we'll move on to the trade deadline and who are the winners and who are the losers. But uh, does that mean that maybe Dan Snyder doesn't have a whole lot of dirt on the rest of the owners like it sounded like and like the reports came out a few weeks ago? Um, I wouldn't know what he does have and what he doesn't have. Um, he did he did put out a statement to all the owners. He personally wrote a, I don't know if he actually wrote it himself, but whatever it is. Mm-hmm. He basically said, I don't have anything. I never did any of this. Um, I wouldn't know. Obviously, a lot of people believe the reason why no owners have spoken up and why Roger Goodell has really tiptoed around many questions is because there is potential that Dan Snyder has some other information about some other owners which could possibly take them down. That's why Jim Mercy coming out and going public with what he said 15 days ago was such a big thing because he basically, the, the membership of owners, they are very much close with each other. You never break, break away from them. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't happen. Right. So for Ursi to do that, it was massive. So there is a belief that that could be happening here. And for ESPN to report that and Seth Wickersham and, his, and the guys who wrote that did a tremendous job. Um, I wouldn't know exactly what he does or what, what he doesn't have, but that was a belief that the reason why nobody has spoken up, up until now is because Dan could possibly open up a can of worms about anybody else. So um, I think this is a fascinating situation, and if he does sell, uh, I'm sure we'll get more information as to why he decided to do it now. Talking all things NFL right now with Ari Mayrod from Pro Football Focus on Twitter at My Sports Update covers the NFL like a glove. So let's move ahead to the trade deadline. And the next team up on the schedule for the Raiders is the Jacksonville Jaguars. And they made a pretty massive move on Tuesday, acquiring Calvin Ridley from the Falcons. And Ari, I have to be the first to admit, I didn't even know that you could trade for a suspended player, but they did. Not that that's going to help this year, but for the future, it looks like a really good trade. What did you think when you saw that one go down? Yeah, that, that was the most... I think stunning trade that happened yesterday. And I just love the creativity of the trade where I'm sure Atlanta, if you would have offered them a five and a four, they probably would have said no, but it's a five and a four that could eventually become a three and even possibly a two if he signed an extension, which is very possible because once he is reinstated, he only has one year left on his contract. So they could possibly come out of this with a two and the Jaguars, you know, they signed a couple of receivers um, this past offseason, but they don't have that true number one guy. And I feel like people forgot what Calvin Ridley was able to do. Just two years ago, he was the second team All Pro, had, I believe, 90 receptions, over 1,300 yards, nine touchdowns. And if you guys remember, last year during training camp, there was like a viral video about how um, during um, training camp, he basically um, had a great route against Xavier Howard. So this guy, I'm like, he is a tremendous talent. And for Jacksonville's perspective, we're basically getting Trevor Lawrence, who has not flashed yet, but we are getting him that top-tier receiver like we've seen Buffalo do with Stephon Diggs or Miami do with Tyreek Hill. They believe that Calvin Ridley, once he is reinstated, he could be that guy, and he would complement a guy like Christian Kirk, and he would complement Zay Jones, and he would fit right in that offense with Travis Etienne as well. So they believe he could be that guy, and it's a, a low-risk, potential high-reward type of a deal for a guy who will most likely become available next year. Of all the teams who made moves yesterday, would you say the Miami Dolphins are the most all-in team when it comes to making a push for this season? I think Miami definitely falls into that category. I would probably put the 49ers in that category if the Christian McCaffrey trade. In my opinion, the biggest winner from yesterday wasn't even a team. It was a player. It was Tua. And Mm. the reason I say that is because entering this season, the Dolphins had two first-round picks. And the talk was, if Tua isn't in, we'll get somebody else next year. 
they lose one for tampering with Tom Brady and Sean Payton. They lose. They, they give away one for Bradley Chubb, who's going to be awesome in that defense. Now they don't have any first-round picks. We've seen what Tua can do this year when a team commits him, when they add weapons around him. He's having a career year. And now that they don't have a first-round pick this offseason, it's crazy to think about it, but he could go up to them and say, you know what, I just had a career year. I'm eligible for an extension. I want a new deal right now, similar to how Kyler Murray did it. And Miami really won't, won't have much of a choice. I mean, it'll be the same situation as Kyler Murray in Arizona. And it'll be like, what do you want to do? You guys don't have a first-round pick. Pay me now. I had a great, a great year. And you guys don't have that first-round pick. Would you add two at the start of this year? So I think he's also in a really good position. They've officially bought into him. Remember, his first year, there was Ryan Fitzpatrick in and out. Second year, was Deshaun Watson rumored. This year, it's been all Tua. Mike McDaniel has been all in on Tua. And this is a team that keeps on adding more players. And remember, when Mike McDaniel came in, he kept the entire coaching staff on the defensive side. Everyone from Brian Flores aside stayed there. So now... They're adding a Bradley Chubb as well. That defense has been great. People forget Byron um, Byron Jones, another top quarterback, hasn't even played this year. He'll come mm-hmm. back soon as well. This is a team that is, is making a strong push in that stacked AFC. Talking again with Ari Mayrod from Pro Football Focus here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. And speaking of what's going on in Miami with Coach McDaniel, uh, we're looking around here in Las Vegas, and we're looking at what's going on with the Raiders. Obviously, they haven't gotten off to the start that they wanted to the season. Why is it that in some locations, like, Miami, New York, other spots, the first-year head coach is able to find instant success, and then some struggle out of the gates like we're seeing right now with the Raiders. It's a great question, and I think everyone would agree that the Raiders' season so far has been one of, if not the biggest disappointment so far this year. I think the answer that some people would give you is that a Josh McDaniels offense is one that takes time to get used to. And I don't think Raiders fans would like to hear that. They spent so much money. They added Devontae Adams. They extended so many other players. They brought in Chandler Jones. And this is what we have as a result. We scored zero points against a team that just allowed 40-plus on Thursday night the other week. It's not great. Um, I think that would be one of the reasoning as to why the offense has not been great. Devontae Adams has also been, um, I believe he's had three games this year of under 50 receiving yards, and he's had only three in the two years before that combined. So it, it's just not working out, right? But I think he's got to give it time is what they're going to be preaching right now. They have still been moving on from other players from the previous regime. We saw a lot of that happen in the offseason. We just saw Jonathan Hinkins get traded. I think they were open to moving Cleo and Fair, open to moving on from Jonathan Abram. I feel like, first of all, it would be very wrong if these guys would let go after one year. I don't think that happened. I think you've got to give them at the very least two years to see what they're able to do and let this offense function the way they want it to and give it some more time because the reality is any player that was added to New England during those years of Josh McDaniels, it took time to learn the system. I remember when Cam Newton was signed in July, he said um, learning this playbook is like calculus. So it, it takes time. Um, it's been unfortunate, but I, I think you got to give it a little bit more time. This year clearly has not been the way they want it to be, but um, I think I think um, we'll see how it goes as it keeps on moving forward. If it's still a problem, though, um, I think there'll be some questions being asked in Las Vegas. No doubt about it. Again, Ari Mayrov is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920. How surprised have you been by the AFC West? And, you know, it was supposed to be, and I say this in air quotes, the toughest division in football. And, Ari, it's been pretty much everything but that so far this season. Yeah, I mean, I remember getting asked on a bunch of other radio hits who's going to win the AFC West, and everyone was like, um, there is a way where three teams can get in, there is even a scenario where all four can get in, 
the reality is they're all going to beat up on each other, and really, a lot of these teams haven't even been beating up on each other. They've been losing to other teams. So um, it, it's been shocking to see. Denver was the one team that I had the most questions about simply because new quarterback, new head coach, new coordinators. How is it all going to work out right away? And clearly it's been a struggle. They got a pretty big win there in London on Sunday. But um, I'm just fascinated by Denver simply because, you know, George Payton, their GM, I think has done a phenomenal job. When you look at all the moves they made, even trading Bradley Chubb here the other day, getting a first-round pick for someone he was not going to resign. He's done a lot of great moves. The problem is he's going to be judged solely on the Russell Wilson contract and the next five years and how much money they gave him. Also, Nathaniel Hackett higher, but I think if Hackett doesn't last, then he'll still get a second shot. My point is, he's done a bunch of great moves, but it hasn't worked out. I'm curious to see how it all unfolds here because they decided to keep Judy. They decided to keep Hamler. They decided to add Chase Edmonds in that trade to try to keep on bolstering this offense because it's been such a slow start. That was the biggest question coming into this year, and so far it hasn't worked. Um, the Hackett thing is interesting because of the new owners. I mean, this is Walmart owners. We just talked about them before. They didn't hire him. Um, do we want somebody else? I think that situation becomes very interesting once the season ends if the struggles continue in Denver. Again, we're lit- talking to Ari Mayrov right now from Pro Football Focus on Twitter at My Sports Update, and uh, Demond's got one for you. Yeah, going back to the trade deadline, and it can be from all the trades that happen in season, but what's one that's a sneaky good move that maybe people are sleeping on? A sneaky good move from the trade deadline. First, first of all, let me just say this. The trade deadline used to be after week six. They moved it to after week eight. And then they made the season into 18 weeks. I feel like if they moved the schedule to after week 10, we would have even more action than we had yesterday when teams know um, where they're actually sitting right now, should we buy or sell. So I think the NFL really enjoyed seeing a trade deadline like it was yesterday. And um, it was the one thing missing in the NFL from all, all the other sports, and they finally got a big one yesterday. But as for one of the moves that could be a little bit of a, of a sneaky one, I actually really like Naeem Hines going mm. to the Bills because mm-hmm. the Bills have been looking for running back, running back help, dating back to the offseason. You guys remember, they signed, um, had an agreement with J.D. McKissick, and then he eventually um, decided to go back to Washington, um, which, which stunned them. So they've been looking for that pass-catching running back for a while. They drafted James Cook. He's fully but surely getting it. But Neil Hines has the most receiving yards, second most receiving yards since entering the NFL, only behind Christian McCaffrey. And he can also do punt returns, which is something they've been looking for as well. So they get a running back who is a decent runner, who is an amazing receiving back, and can do punt returns as well. I think it's a sneaky good pickup there in Buffalo for a team that is already stacked, adding one more weapon who could do a lot of different things. 20 players were traded uh, in, in the trade deadline, and there was 10 teams that, that made moves uh, on Tuesday. So uh, that was that was fascinating. That was fun. That was exciting. And Ari, before we let you go, I want to actually ask you about a couple guys that did not get traded for and ended up getting waived. One was uh, Tristan Hill from uh, from Dallas. He, he got picked up today on waivers by the Cardinals. Uh, I was kind of intrigued by him just to see because I guess he's always been a, a force but he's really kind of always had that label of being lazy. And then Sidney Jones there in Seattle with the Seahawks, he's, uh, you know, had that concussion earlier in the season, so he's, he's behind some young dudes. He gets waived. Do you think that those two guys could pan out, not be stars, but could pan out, be some good depth along the line for some teams? Yeah, Dallas got to a point where they were trying to trade Tristan Hill. Um, Basham was another name there in Dallas where they were open to moving him. Eventually they did get Hankins last week and they move on from Hill. 
Arizona, who just claimed them, they've really just been looking to get any sort of help on defense. They've been um, claiming players, adding players. They've been doing a lot of that as of late. Um, listen, it's a player that was a second-round pick. Clearly, there's some potential there. Um, they're going to add him there in Arizona. We'll see what he's able to do. But Dallas was looking to trade him yesterday, and no team made any offers, not even like one of those conditional seventh-round picks or anything. So they end up releasing him. So clearly around the NFL, when it comes to actually parting ways with something, nobody was interested. Arizona will take a fire in him now and take on the rest of his rookie contract. As for Sidney Jones, I have not gotten the waiver wire yet from the NFL League office, so I don't know if he was claimed or not, but this is somebody who used to be a second-round pick, didn't pan out, pan out in Philadelphia, went to Jacksonville, ended up in Seattle, basically started for them last year and was supposed to be a starter as well this year. Um, again, he wasn't traded yesterday, but this is a player who has really proven um, that he's able to you know, take away that bust label that people gave him in Philadelphia, which is obviously a very tough play, place to play. So, um Definitely a, a player who I believe should be picked up and should be getting some valuable reps once he is picked up here in the near future. All right, something that I wanted to ask you about is you are one of the biggest accounts on Twitter when it comes to sports that is not verified. So if Elon Musk gets <laughs> his plans in, would you pay the $8 to finally get that blue check mark? Is it $8 that, now? Yeah, it's going to be $8. <laughs> move from 20 to $8? <laughs> he brought Jeez. it down. All, All right. right, would you pay the $8? So you guys want to hear something crazy? So these last couple of days have been just mayhem around the NFL. I haven't had a chance to read exactly what this verified stuff is all about yet. Um, I, I see it on my timeline. It pops up $8, $20, $5. I didn't even know Elon Musk officially bought Twitter until the other day. So like, I've been so behind on this stuff that um, I'm just catching up on it. I'm going to have to sit down and find out exactly what is going on. Maybe you guys could tell me. Anybody could become verified now. I don't get it. Pretty much. Uh, you got to be part of the blue crew or whatever it is. What is it's, it's called the blue. It's some kind of blue something. It's, it's, it's you buy diff- Twitter blue and then with that yeah, $8, blue, that's with what your it's $8 called. subscription, now you can be verified. You can keep your verification or you can be verified. Yeah, it's really dumb. But he says it's, he's trying to earn money and pay bills. That's what he said. <laughs> So wait, so anybody could just like remake anybody and just become verified? Exactly. But you, but verified people, people who have a certain status, athletes, politicians, you would have a little certain indentation underneath your profile to say you are who you say you are as well. All right, this sounds like a like a very big mess that I have to maybe build a different platform on Instagram or something just to keep my following. I mean, this, this sounds a bit insanity. <laughs> right, exactly. Ari, to tell you the truth, it sounds like an old school scheme that I probably did back in the day that didn't work out too well, but I thought in my mind, wow, this sounds brilliant. I'm going to get rich quick. But he's already rich, yeah. so there's that. So I don't know. Uh, I'm I'm not paying no money for any kind of blue check. You can have that thing back. <laughs> I don't I don't need it. I don't want it. It's, it's not that serious. I'm not paying eight dollars for anything like that. What do you got coming out on Pro Football Focus that we need to be on the lookout for? No, for sure. Ari Mayer of NFL Show on the PFF YouTube. Check that out. We actually did a, a big trade recap here today, and on the website. I mean, we've got a lot going on over there. Whether it is all the positional rankings. Um, and then um, betting stuff, fantasy stuff. I'm going to be starting a free agency preview starting next week. We'll be jumping into that as well as some teams officially move on from the season and start looking ahead to the future. So that will be coming out starting next Wednesday. So be on the lookout for that as well. I'll tweet it out. I like it. I like it. Well, we'll definitely be paying attention again. Your Twitter account as of right now, at my sports update on Twitter. Okay. That's Ari Mayrow from Pro Football Focus. Thanks so much for your time, my man. Great stuff as always. We appreciate you. We'll talk soon. All the rescue. There he goes. All right, May Rob, right there. Uh, you had to bring up, bring up the, uh, the the Twitter blue or whatever it is. I'm so tired of hearing that conversation. <laughs>
Dog, I, let me tell you, man, the Locked On NFL Network, the network has a DM group, like a, a text message, but it's on Twitter. And I promise you, these cats don't sleep because there is, it doesn't matter what hour of the day it is, it's like, eh, eh. They got on their soapbox about this damn Twitter blue thing, and I ain't paying no twenty dollars. I ain't paying eight dollars. This is—I st- mean, they're just going back and forth, and I'm trying to uh, ignore it, but I can't ignore it because it keeps popping up on my Twitter, and I'm just like, oh my gosh! If he thinks I'm giving him a dime, right? I'm like, man, you can have the blue back. I don't care. Like, it's not that serious. I mean, it really—I was fine without it. I'm fine, you know, fine with it. Whatever. It doesn't make any difference. But it's—it's it's just it to me. Just like Ari said, it feels like a way to make. Twitter more of a mess than it already is. And believe me, believe me, Twitter's already a mess. The biggest mess out of probably all the social uh, media networks, man. It's probably the biggest mess. You just wait until your boy Q254 underscore is out here reporting fake news. Oh, I'm sure it'll happen. I'm sure it'll happen. And then, you know, somebody will hit me up on Twitter on Sunday when I'm relaxing, watching the game by myself, chilling, not doing anything, and tell me how terrible of a person I am. Oh, wait. That happens now. 2.24 is the time. Many thanks to Ari Mayrov. We definitely appreciate him from Pro Football Focus, giving us a little bit of NFL updates, little scoops around the league, including what's going on in Washington with the Commanders. Could they potentially be sold? Coming up next, Clay Harbor, former NFL tight end. He's going to talk to us about all things Jacksonville Jaguars. He actually works for the Believe Podcast Network, does a great show covering the Jags. We'll talk to him next. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Many thanks to Ari Mayrod from Pro Football Focus on Twitter at MySportsUpdate. Joined us in the opening drive segment of the show. Just to get us going, just to get the blood flowing. Little NFL conversation, Washington football team, trade deadline. Talked to little Raiders and expectations for first-year head coach Josh McDaniels. And, you know, he just said it seems like it's a very complicated system, especially offensively, and it's going to take some time to learn it. So many thanks to Ari. We got Clay Harbor, former NFL tight end, joining us in a few minutes to talk all things Jacksonville Jaguars as we turn the page. Uh, got a couple quick texts I want to get to at 69187, keyword R&R. Allen of Vegas said, ask Q and DeMond if I'm real. That's my verification. Uh, going back to that Twitter, that Twitter blue, and that paying for Twitter, which is ridiculous, but okay. Uh, also, another text, uh, Sidney Jones was not claimed. Thank you. And Arizona picked up Hill, which is what we talked about when we uh, joined Ari Mayrod from Pro Football Focus in the last segment. So thank you so much for that. Joining us now on the phone lines is the former NFL tight end, played in Philly, played in Jacksonville, and other teams as Clay Harbor. And Clay, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. Want to talk to you about the upcoming game this week. Uh, of course, the, the Raiders and the Jaguars. But before we get into that, the Jaguars, in my opinion, made a real sneaky good move yesterday before the trade deadline, picking up Calvin Ridley, who was suspended. I honestly didn't know you could even trade for a suspended guy. They clearly did. What did you think of that move? I loved it. I thought it was a great move for him. You know, the former Alabama wide receiver, the the three years that he played had over 3,000 yards in three years. He's consistent. He's a big play threat. The Jaguars struggled drafting big-time receivers. You look back at history to Justin Blackman, Matt Jones, Reggie Williams. uh, They just haven't had much luck. And I love the way the deal was structured. They they give him a a fifth-round pick this year and then a fourth round next year. If he re-signed with the Jaguars. That could go up to a second rounder, but you've covered everything. 
if he's worth it, you don't care to give up that second round take because who he is and who he's become. And if you're resigning him, he's living up to those expectations. If he doesn't, all you're out is another 2024 fourth round pick. So it works for both parties. Talking right now with former NFL tight end Clay Harbor. He is the host of the Believe in the Jaguars podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Here with us on Red Nation Radio 920. How much stabilization has come to the organization with the with the hiring of Doug Peterson after what was uh, Urban Meyer last year? It was it was big time, and obviously, you know, you wish they were winning more games. But I think everybody around the organization says the same thing that it was it was toxic environment under Urban Meyer, and Doug has came back and kind of healed that environment. You hope that you hope that healing would lead to more victories as a Jaguar fan and a Jags guy. But I think they're on the right path, and I think Doug's doing things the right way, and the players are are having fun, playing football again. They're not playing under a reign of terror under you know the last guy, Urban Meyer. So I think he's doing things the right way. More free agents want to come play for Doug Peterson, and I think he's going to get this thing moving in the right de- direction eventually. You're a guy that's been in the locker room. You were in the locker room for nine-plus years in the NFL. How, how important is it for a team to learn how to win? And do you think that that's what the Jaguars are going through right now, just trying to learn how to win games? First thing, um, the first thing Bill Belichick ever said to the team when I signed with New England Patriots, I'll never forget it. I thought it was going to be some crazy, you know, this is Bill Belichick, the best coach in history. And what he comes in and says was to learn how to win, he says, to win, you first got to learn how not to lose. And that doesn't seem right, but <laughs> the more time I spent in the league and the older I got, I said, it makes sense. There's a lot of teams that just lose games. If you just don't lose games, you'll be 500. And after you do that, you're going to win some games, and that's how you become a good team. So Bill Belichick said that, and it's consistent with what we're seeing in the NFL this year. A lot of teams losing games, the Bears, the Jaguars, teams that I cover, and the Jags have just repeatedly had big, costly turnovers. They're a good team. They'll move the ball, good yardage, decent defense. They lose the game at the end with one big play. So that's something they're still trying to figure out. I think Doug get them right. Obviously, Doug, Doug has won that big trophy. He's won the Super Bowl, so I think he knows what he's doing. Yeah, I think you're right. And you know, it's funny that uh, you mentioned learning how not to lose before you learn how to win. That's something that we talked about with head coach Josh McDaniels, who obviously came from... New England, we talked about it with him here all offseason, all training camp, all preseason. That was just about the theme. And, well, the Raiders have won two games so far as they're going to face the Jaguars on Sunday, a couple teams that have two wins. Uh, Before we get into really the game, are you surprised by the lack of success that Josh McDaniels has had so far with the Raiders? I am. You know, I like Josh. I played with Josh back in the uh, Patriot days when I was on the Pats. And he's a brilliant guy. He's a smart offensive mind, and you know, I haven't been keeping up a lot with the Raiders. Obviously, I know their their, their record is two and five, and you know Devontae is is their leading receiver, and uh, he's he's had an okay year. I don't know if he's lived up to the big contract. And Jacobs is a good running back, and Derek Carr is having an average year. But I'm surprised. I thought Josh would go in just like Brian Dable, two guys I spent some time with, smart guys, the Patriot way, Bill Belichick disciples that really know how to win and know how not to lose. So I'm a little bit shocked, but honestly, I think eventually Josh will get this thing turned around and uh, he'll right the ship over there in Las Vegas. Talking right now with Clay Harbor, former NFL tight end here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. He is the host of the Believe in the Jaguars podcast. So anything Jacksonville you want to check in on, make sure you check out Clay's podcast. My man, DeMond's got a question for you. 
The Jaguars, they only have two wins on the season, but they won by so much in those two wins that they're still in the top 10 in point differential in the NFL. So what went right well, in those two wins? Because they got wins, they shut out the Colts, and then they got a win over the Chargers, and they were supposed to be, you know, the cream of the crop in the AFC. They've lost a lot of close games, and a lot of their games have just been decided by a score here, a score there, and unfortunately, that's what it's come down to. And like you said, the Jaguars are still top 10 in, in yardage, at least, in the NFL. They're in offensive yardage, and I think they're, they're top 10 in defensive yardage. they got a good team. That's the thing that's, that's aggravating for Jaguars fans. They'll just have a turnover here, a turnover there. Last week at the one-yard line, the Jags go up 14-0. Trevor Lawrence throws an interception at the one. I guess the Houston Texans, same thing. Interception down at the goal line. There's just been huge plays, ETN fumble the week before against the Giants. Like, there's been so many plays. One play has really set apart this team from a good team that's in the playoff hunt to a team that's 2-6 and six and has to worry about rebuilding. It really goes to show you how close these games are and how the parity is in the NFL that every play does matter. They're a good team. They stick with it. Well, it'll be a tight game, but it just comes down at the end of who's going to make fewer mistakes. I want to ask about that Jaguars defense because in the offseason they made two signings at wide receiver Christian Kirk and Zay Jones, but those two guys are the leading receivers on the team when it comes to receptions. So how has that offense been gelling with two new wide receivers that are leading the helm? They've been gelling. It's, I mean, they've been doing a decent job. Christian Kirk's on pace for 1,000 yards. Zay Jones is, is doing a decent job. There's been a few drops there, but – all in all, I think the receivers, the signings have been doing a, a decent job. I and mean, Christian Kirk started off hot. He's tapered off as, of late. But I think he can come back and, you know, still have a 1,000-plus yard season. But if you're paying a $74 million contract, you need more. Mm-hmm. And I think they're realizing that that's why they went after Calvin Ridley, that you need a number one receiver. Christian Kirk is a great number two receiver, works in the slot predominantly. Jay Jones has good hands, can catch the ball. He's had a couple drops here or there. This guy, fun fact, was a, he's the all-time leading receiver in the NCAA history as far as catches is concerned. These guys know how to catch balls and have been doing a decent job, but for whatever reason, it's just these costly turnovers and little mistakes that have really handicapped this, this Jags team. Talking right now with Clay Harbor, former NFL tight end here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And how about Travis Etienne? He's back. He's healthy. He's the big play uh, ability he's got. He had a really good game against the Broncos, even though it came in a loss. But in London, had a heck of a game. Uh, How big has he been as far as helping out this uh, Jaguars team, especially with the big play? You know, I don't want to to go overboard here, but Travis Etienne is going to be a bona fide superstar. I've seen a lot of running backs in this league. I've played with Shady McCoy. I've played with Theo Riddick. I, I've played with James White from the Patriots. I've, you know, I've played with a lot of good running backs. I've played with Adrian Peterson with the Saints. And Travis Etienne will be a superstar, and he is the best weapon on this Jack team. You guys get to see him up, up close and personal. I'm sure if you've been watching any tape that you'll mm-hmm. see how explosive and fast this guy is. He can do everything. Not only is he fast and quick, which you know, obviously you get the scouting report, but he's powerful. Right. He's a powerful guy, and he'll lower his shoulder, and that's why they were okay with getting rid of James Robinson like they did in such you know mysterious circumstances. But the, the team, the, the Jaguars fan base, has really forgot about James Robinson in a hurry 
because of how excited they are for this guy, Travis Etienne. Well, last week, Alvin Kamara with the Saints had himself a day against the Raiders. So as far as the offense and the offense going through a guy, is it basically goes through Etienne and then everything branches off of that? His, he's been increasing and increasing in his production every week. But you got to realize, last week was his first week without James Robinson. He was putting low. Mm. Last week was his first week of being the guy. And he had 156 yards on 20 carries, 20-some carries. He's averaging 6.2 yards a carry for a running back. He's tied to the league lead. This guy is a big play threat every time he touches the ball. And the offense does go through with him. And he does play a little bit like Kamara. He can catch the ball. He can run the ball. And he does everything. And, and he's the bright spot for the Jaguars. And it's been been really impressive to see what a guy like him can do coming off of a Liz Frank injury, which made him miss the entire season last year after being a first-round draft pick. This guy is really explosive, and you guys will get to see him up close and personal. I think you'll be impressed. Again, we're talking with Clay Harbor here on Radio Nation Radio 920, former NFL tight end. Just got a couple more questions for you. So as far as the Jaguars go, for them to win this game on the on Sunday as they're continuing to try to learn how to win these games, what do they need to do to get it done? For the Jags, you just got to eliminate mistakes. They're going to move the ball. They're going to have some nice plays. The defense is going to play a solid job, but the defense isn't going to stop. What's been happening is they haven't been getting the stops when it matters. The big stops they can't get. The offense is going to drive the ball down the field. They're going to turn the ball over. They're going to fumble. Against the Eagles, Trevor Lawrence lost five fumbles. They should have won that game. There's just They're going to move the ball, but they're going to have costly mistakes. If they eliminate the costly mistakes, they have a good chance to win this game. When it comes to the defense of the Jaguars, something that's impressing me is how well that they have drafted recently. you got Campbell at corner. You've got Lloyd and the number one pick from the draft this year. So this defense is made up of some great young players, and also you have the stud Josh Allen. But what has this Jacksonville Jaguars defense done with the players? The talent is obviously there, but scheme-wise, what have they done so well that's worked for them? You know, Mike Caldwell, he's, he's done a pretty good job. Obviously, he had the tough game against the Colts in which – let Matt Ryan throw for 400 yards and set records against you, but overall, they've, they've done a pretty decent job, and like you said, Devin Lloyd has, has been good. Foyer Aloukun has been has been good. Um, Fatakasi has been good. I mean, there's some, some players. Trayvon Walker has, has been okay. Obviously, you want to see more from him being the number one overall pick, but I think he's still young. Obviously, 21 years old, he'll get better, but they do a good job. I mean, they'll pop a cover two here, there. They'll play some cover three. They mix it up. They do a good job of separating man and zone. So he keeps defenses guessing. So you just got to be more consistent and get the stops when it matters. Clay, final question for you. Uh, the, the Jaguars lost to Denver last week in London, and now they're hosting the Raiders this week in Jacksonville, obviously. Uh, do you? Th- I know it's not as far as a, a flight and, and, and travel like it would be to the West Coast, but do you think that that may have them get off to a slow start as them, like I said, traveling from London back home? As I've played in London three times in my career, and it's tough, but you know, I think Doug is, is a professional. He's a professional coach, and he knows what the guys need. So he maybe pulled back a little bit of practice this week and given a little more time to rest. And he's a guy that knows how to schedule things. He knows the, the precise schedule. He was the Andy Reid disciple. I knew Doug when I played for Andy Reid mm. and the Philadelphia Eagles early in my career. Doug's going to schedule things the right way to make sure his guys come out ready to go. What is it like playing in London? Oh, it's great. The environment's unbelievable. I was one of the first teams to play out there. 
that the people from London thought we were basically the Beatles. They were so excited <laughs> to see us, and they couldn't believe that these are professional football players, and they're running after our bus, and we were the first teams out there. They really thought we were we were cool, and obviously the people in the States love us, but they see a lot of football players. Out there in London, they have never seen it before, and that was a blast going out there. And It was Wembley Stadium now, but now it's a different stadium, but out in Wembley, it had 90,000 people, and it's the, the most players of people I've ever played against in my life. Incredible atmosphere. It's just always a ton of fun to go out there. So for the Jags, is it like a second home? <laughs> Basically, because every year you go out there, and it's funny because a lot of the, the fan base out in London, they've adopted the Jags as their go-to team. So now the Jaguars are basically the home team out in London. You're getting a lot of cheers. You're seeing Jags jerseys. The fans love you. So it's basically another home game. Obviously, you don't like traveling for a home game, let's say, you know, like six hours, seven hours on a plane. Mm-hmm. But besides that, I mean, it's it's a great environment. The fans are great. and. You know, Jacksonville has really become accustomed to making that trip ac- across the pond. You can find more of Clay's work on his Believe in the po- the Jags podcast and the, the Believe in the Podcast Network. You can find Clay on Twitter at ClayHarbs82. Uh, Clay, thank you so much for the insight on the Jacksonville Jaguars, talking a little bit about Josh McDaniels, Bill Belichick, and a little bit more. We appreciate you this afternoon, my man. Appreciate you having me, guys. Thanks. Absolutely. There he goes. Clay Harbor, again, former NFL tight end, was in the league nine-plus years, uh, now has a podcast. He is uh, doing the Believe in the Jaguars podcast, and we thank to the fine folks over at the Believe Podcast Network for hooking that up again. Clay Harbor, former NFL tight end, and uh, played in, in uh, London three times. I'm interested to see, you know, because the Raiders have been there in Sarasota, Florida. They've been chilling ever since the Saints game. They went immediately there. They made that beeline. I want to see how that pays off, if it does pay off, uh, in, the, in the long run when they take the field on Sunday against Jacksonville. I think it's going to play at least early in the game a little bit of a factor. No, that's why I asked him about the second home because I feel like for the Jaguars, they're the one team that's equipped for this. I'm not saying that every Jags player has a house in London, right? but I do think that the owners got them set up a little bit nicer than the other teams are when they travel over to London. Well, you know their owner. He's a, he, he's a, he's an owner over there as well. Exactly. Right? So, yeah, I mean, that's definitely if – if there's a team that could say that, that uh, London is their home away from home, it would be the Jacksonville Jaguars. 2.45 is the time. We'll come back. Close out hour number one. It's Raider Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Coming up at 3 o'clock, Vinny Bonsignor from the Morning Tailgate. Also, the RJ will join us, and he's been on every show today from the Morning Tailgate to JT the Brick. And, of course, going to close things out with us. He's there in Sarasota, Florida. He had an opportunity to talk to GM Dave Ziegler this morning, him and everyone else that's there covering the Raiders in Sarasota. About 30 good minutes. 30 good minutes, and I have all the audio. We have it all broken up. You know, we could probably go run a whole hour long uh, just listening to Dave Ziegler and just talk about it. But I want to go over it and listen to it multiple times before I deep dive. We do have a few sound bites that we've already kind of pulled to the side that we're going to play coming up around 4 o'clock, and then you'll hear from uh, head coach Josh McDaniels about 4.30. But, man, (laughs) I want to go back and deep dive into what GM Dave Ziegler had to say because it's not all the time that you get an opportunity to talk to the GM. And the one thing that stinks is that it's in Sarasota, Florida, and not the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center when we're actually there. Or when I'm actually there. <laughs> I mean, let's take the we out of it, all right? <laughs> I ain't French. When I'm there, <laughs> let's put it like that. 
Also, I was watching it and I was trying to decipher body language, how he was looking mm-hmm. when he was answering each specific question. Right. Because some of the questions that were asked are obviously good questions. You know, everyone knows what they're doing. Mm-hmm. But it's just, how does he really feel about this? Is there some double meaning? If I can look at the way he shifts his eyes, is there something more that's going on? DeMond's trying answer? to do an investigation exactly. in every answer. He didn't really mean that, because <laughs> I could tell. Unbelievable. DeMond's trying to really deep dive into so everything So when you say get a second look at it, yeah, I also do as well. I just want to listen again just to see how it all all, all went down and, you know, just get the – the, the proper feel. And look, I'll say this. There's the the questions that we're going to uh, let you hear the responses to coming up at 4 o'clock, as I mentioned. Uh, those are ones that I feel like that they're not deep diving like DeMond, like there's a big old conspiracy going on. But there's some things that I feel like he says within those answers that maybe you might not have heard the first time. So look forward to that. GM Dave Ziegler with a few sound bites from him coming up at 4 o'clock. Got a couple text messages at 69187, keyword R&R. Sir Whiskey Ray, therapy this week is definitely help. Not only myself, but the rest of Raider Nation. Hoping for a Raiders win this week. Uh, Vegas Pete also hit us up and said, Q, I tweeted you that the Raiders needed to win seven of the last games, uh, last ten games to be a wild card team. Then I saw the wild, the seventh wild card is the Chargers at four and three. So there's an opening, and we play them and other contenders, but our motto must change to just win, baby, one week at a time. That's from Vegas Pete, and thank you so much for that. And, yeah, he tweeted at me and said that he felt like because the Raiders needed to win seven out of the last ten to be in the P-word conversation, that's why they didn't make a move at the deadline. And I've been very adamant, very adamant, that I feel like that that loss to the Saints kind of gave Dave Ziegler the, hey, you know what? You might want to go ahead and hold on to that draft capital and keep that in your pocket because you need a little bit more than just one player away. And he actually addressed that in his uh, in his media session that he had. And again, you'll hear that coming up at 4 o'clock. So Vegas Pete, thank you so much for that. I do appreciate you. Uh, and then we did get, did we get any more? No, that's all we got so far. Uh, do want to hear from you. Raider Nation, and I always bring a topic to the table, but we just came right out of the gates with uh, Ari Mayrov, and then we had Clay Harbor, former NFL tight end, talking all things Jacksonville Jaguars. We're turning the page to the next game up for the Silver and Black. But I want to know, particularly on defense, too, I really want to focus a lot on defense because I think that the offense can get right. Now, obviously, we didn't see it on Sunday against the Saints, but I'm just going to go ahead and roll with the, okay, that was a one-off. That was just a bad day, like we say, to have a bad day, and they had it. So I'm going to roll and say that the offense is going to get right. But how in the world can the defense get right? What does it going to take for the defense to get right? I had someone hit me up and say, Q, I know you're a big uh, believer in, in Patrick Graham when he got hired. Do you still believe in him? I do. I really do. But when I look at the Raiders' defensive roster, what I really feel like, and we'll ask Vinny Bonsignor coming up at 3 o'clock what his thoughts are on that, I really feel like there's the, the scheme that they ran last year where it was simplistic, and I hate to use that word because I don't want to make anyone sound like they just can't figure things out, but I always say that if you have to think, you're going to be slow. If you have to think about what you're doing behind the board, it's going to take you a second, right? Whenever we train people, new people, we always say, hey, learn with somebody, shadow somebody for a minute so you can learn so you don't have to think about your next step because once you do, you're going to miss something. You're going to be slower. I feel like with Patrick Graham's scheme, it's not as simple as Gus Bradley's scheme. Not saying it's not as good, it's probably as good, if not better. But what they were able to do last year as a unit was just go play. Just go. When the ball was snapped, it's like, go. Right? Because it was simple. Everyone knew what they were doing every single snap. To me, it still feels like they're thinking, that they're still trying to figure it out. And we're into, what, week nine? Starting on Thursday? Week nine of the NFL season, it'll be 
game eight for the Raiders on Sunday. It's just certain defenses, just there's more to it than what Gus Bradley, and that's why I feel like that Gus Bradley's defense was able to get things turned around a little bit. I know statistically it wasn't great, because someone's going to hit us with that. Too high cover three. How hard could it be? <laughs> right. Exactly. It's not. And that's the thing. It was, it, was, it was a simplistic defense, but what Patrick Graham is trying to do, and what we heard all offseason was that he has a lot of different stuff that he wanted to do. I feel like that they've had to scale it back a little bit, and they still haven't really got it figured out. Like, perfect example, and then we'll, we'll, we'll go to our caller. Alvin Kamara gets matched up with Denzel Perryman. That's a loss every time. We all know. Denzel Perryman knows that he's not that guy. What did he say at the Pro Bowl during practice? What, about like coming about, out and some routes? Yes. About learning about learning coverage? Oh, yeah. I'm not great in coverage. If you guys can teach me how to be better in coverage, come on and do it. He knows that that's, a, that's his Achilles heel. That's his weakness. So when Alvin Kamara, who's really damn good, gets matched up on Denzel Perryman, when I look at that play that went for a touchdown, my opinion, he's supposed to beat him up at the line of scrimmage and not let him get out of the backfield. That did not happen. He got caught up in the wash and wasn't fast enough to recover. And then what happened? A touchdown. That's because thinking instead of just going out and playing. Because Denzel Perryman is a hell of a player. No doubt he's a hell of a player. He just goes, read and react, boom. But when you have to think, it takes you a second. So I want to know from you, Raider Nation, 702-365-9200. Also the text line, 69187, keyword r Realistic changes that could be made, in your opinion, to the defense to help them at least have a better showing consistently. They'll play good for a half. They'll play good for a quarter, but they won't consistently play at a certain level. That's all I ask for, just consistency. If you're going to be a 7, be a 7. Don't be a 10 for a half and then the 3 for the other half because that ain't going to work. If you're going to be a 7, just be a 7 the whole damn game. I'll take that. 702-365-9200. Who we got up real quick? Raider X. Raider X, welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, guys. So, uh, yeah, I agree with you, Q, um, in regards to you know, them playing a little bit uh, you know, like they're thinking. From what I see, it looks like they're frustrated. Um, you know, it looks like they're playing tight, very tight on offense and defense. And, you know, uh, I, I think that the coaching staff has to rediscover just because it works somewhere else. They're going to have to, as we talked about this regime, you know, not duplicating the Patriot way and making their own way. I think they're going to have to, you know, change things that they learn and put them all into that basket and come back, you know, with a Raider way that truly puts their stamp on it. And then going back to, you know, I think it was yesterday's discussion about Patrick Graham and the defense of them, you know, uh, garnering uh, uh game time based upon their practices yeah you know i got that some guy out there performing well and giving all his you know giving it all on this practice field however that doesn't translate to the field based upon the competition or or against you know the, the players like you said kamara yeah you know you're going against kamara maybe you might put in somebody you know like masterson or somebody else that has a little bit more length to them you know sideline to sideline obviously you know if you're going to have a heavy rubber runner like henry yeah, and you might do. You put Perriman in there. Yeah. And I got you. you know, Perriman might be a dog during practice, but but his skill set it does not translate into the team that you're going against. You know, you got to sit there and, and go outside your comfort zone. You know, that might be the practice that worked for you every other gig that you worked at. But we got to sit there and be a little more pliable to what needs to go forward. Last, you know, going in, I heard you know going into you know uh, Dave, Dave Ziegler's interview. Man, that guy talks eloquently, and mm-hmm. he breaks it down very, very deep. And then, and like, uh, like Demond said, there was a lot of innuendos of what he said. And as you can see, you know, he is, he does want to win or to pacify the fan base. 
but it looks like this man is more focused on the long-range agenda. Uh, th- th- that's what I'm reading into. I don't know if you guys seen the same tea leaves that I do. And it looks like uh, yeah, he has some things out there, and there are some things that he wants to change. But it looks like he's looking more long-term scheme. Good stuff. Good stuff. Great call, my man. I like that. Great mic drop moment. You know what? We'll pick it up. We'll talk to Vinny Bonsignor. We'll do it next, and we'll start right there. We'll get his thoughts on what he heard from GM Dave Ziegler this morning in Sarasota, Florida, and we'll do it next here on Radio Nation Radio 920.